Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is March 18, and our chapter reading for today is Ruth chapter 3. Well, the plot thickens. As we read through this chapter, and that's what we're going to do, we're going to discover some great truths that are not only going to tell us about a time past, but a time present and a time future. And so let's get right into the chapter itself. Now, this is the story of how Boaz and Ruth got together. Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you? And the term there is the word nuach. Nuach is the word. We have a likened name to it in the Old Testament. Nuach is the word that we have kinship with already, and it is the name Noah. And it means to rest or to settle, to be at home, to be secure is the thought. Naomi desired with a great desire since her son had died and left a widow to make sure that Ruth was taken care of because Ruth had certainly pledged her life to Naomi and she was out working, taking care of her mother-in-law who was older. And Naomi had a great sense of responsibility. Isn't it wonderful when this kind of thing takes place? And it says, now Boaz, whose young women you were with, Is he not our relative, our kinsman? Now, we're going to come back to that. In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. You see, what would happen in these fields, the big landowners would get together and they would have various people working for them and they would all be known by the way they dress and where the fields were. And then they would all get together and they would thresh out the barley and they would help one another, just like in days gone by in my own boyhood where the farmers in the area would come together. We had neighbors on either side. We had the Womacks and the Brights, and the Womacks and the Brights would help one another. So would we help them put up hay, put up tobacco, all of those things to make sure that everybody succeeded. And that's exactly what was happening here. Would to God those days would return. And so Naomi said this, therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself. In other words, you get yourself prepared because this is going to be a night that's going to change your life, Ruth. But what Naomi really did not know and have anything of a thought about the significance significance of it, even though she might have understood something of spiritual truth. But this night was going to change eternity. This night was going to be the beginning of something that would produce the line of the Messiah, and it would do it exponentially with the birth of the son, and then the son, and then the son who would be King David. And so, therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself and put on your best garment. That is, you need to look nice tonight and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man, that is, Boaz, until he's finished eating and drinking. 
So here was the way it happened. After the day of hard work, now it was harvest time. All of the sheaves were in, and they would begin to winnow the wheat. They had a process that they went through, and it was very tedious, and it took a lot of labor and a lot of effort. And then they would have a big meal together, and of course, after eating and drinking, not overly so from the standpoint of drinking, but just wine. It was a harvest time. It was a wonderful time. They would then lie down and they would sleep for the night and get up and start again. And so Naomi knew this. She was from Bethlehem. She had seen this over and over again. She said, now Ruth, you get on your very best. When he's had a good meal and he beds down for the night, here's what I want you to do. Then it shall be when he lies down that you will take note of the place. Notice the place. What you need to do is you will go in, uncover his feet. His feet would be covered up, of course, because those nights are still in the spring of the year, the early spring during barley harvest, the nights can still get chilly. Remember that Bethlehem is very high. Jerusalem is 2,400 feet above sea level, and so it's along this ridge. And as you go south, it goes up and down. Hebron is 3,000 or so. That's south of there. And it says, when you uncover his feet and lie down, he will tell you what you should do. Now, Naomi was very confident of this older man, and he would have been younger than Naomi, but perhaps not much younger. So she knew what his custom and his background was. And she said to her, all that you say to me, I will do. This is what Ruth said to Naomi. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her. And after that, Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was cheerful. In other words, he really felt good. He went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. That was his to make sure no one was going to come in and steal it during the night. And she came softly, uncovered his feet and lay down. This is important because you see, Ruth would have understood that she might not be successful. And she had great respect for her elders, obviously, in the way that she treated Naomi. And so this was an older man, a wealthy man, a very well-known man. And so she would have gone in furtively and would have done so so that no one would see her going in because if this didn't work out, and what she was about to do, this was a big risk on her part, and she was rejected, then she could ease back out and Boaz would not be shamed, nor would she be shamed, but primarily Boaz was her thought, because she didn't want her good to be evil spoken of, and so she wanted to make sure that if this didn't work out, that Boaz's integrity and his reputation was still intact. She could, just as furtively as she came in, she could leave very, very quietly and no harm would be done. And so now it happened at midnight, the man was startled and turned himself and there a woman was lying at his feet. And he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing for you are a close relative. You are a kinsman redeemer. You are a goel, G-O apostrophe E-L, a goel. That's translated a kinsman redeemer. Now we'll come back to that. Then he said, blessed are you of the Lord, Hashem, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning in that you did not go after younger men, 
whether poor or rich, because see, there were some young, good looking guys around there that had wealth. They were up and coming. That's not where she, her heart was. She was after a man that was mature. She had already had a young man with Naomi's son, and now she was wanting stability, not only for her, but for her mother-in-law. And he said, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request for all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Wow, this just blesses my heart. Now it is true that I am a close relative, a near kinsman. However, there is a relative closer than I. You see, the law of the kinsman redeemer, it had to be the closest kin. If it wasn't a brother, then it had to be a dodi, an uncle. It had to be someone who's beloved, someone that was very close. And so he said, I will do what I need to do. He said, there is a relative closer than I stay this night in the morning. It shall be, if he will perform the duty of a close relative for you, good, let him do it. In other words, if he wants to marry you, if he wants to redeem Elimelech's plot of land, then he can do it. And I will honor him in doing that. But if not, I will take care of it. And in taking care of that, I get you, Ruth. That was the real prize. And so he said, let's see what God does. But if he does not want to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for you. As the Lord lives, lie down until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, and she arose before one could recognize another. In other words, it was still dark, so that she would not shame him or her. Do not let it be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Also, he said, bring the shawl that is on you and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six ephahs of barley and and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. In other words, he gave her a big lot of food that she and Naomi could keep some and they could sell it. It says that she went and said, look what this man has done. Six ephahs of barley he gave to me for he said to me, do not go empty handed to your mother-in-law. See, he, it was almost like a prenuptial gift. And then she said, sit still, my daughter, until you know the matter and how it will turn out. Listen to this, for the man will not rest until he has concluded this matter this day. See, Naomi knew the customs of the Goel. Now, what is this kinsman redeemer? Well, just uh, if you could just take just a few minutes and listen to this. You see, the kinsman redeemer, the goel, the law of the goel is a fascinating thing. I want to tell you two or three things about the redemption process. You see, when someone died, a near relative could come, and if the person couldn't keep the land, they could redeem it and raise up a son or a family in the name of the person whose property it was that died or lost it through bad financial decisions or whatever the case. In other words, they lost everything. They were lost. They could not get out of bondage. They could not have what they once had. They, it had been lost in some way or another. In other words, the great position that they had of favor had been lost or they had died. And so redemption in the Bible was of a person 
or property, that is, of an inheritance. And so the Redeemer must be a kinsman. In other words, he must be a close relative. And if that relative that was the closest could not redeem or was not willing to redeem, then it passed on to the next and the next and the next. And so someone would redeem it because someone would want the property. But with the property also came the responsibilities of husbandry and also came the responsibility of taking care of whoever it was that came with the property. So the Redeemer must be a kinsman. The Redeemer must be able to redeem. In other words, he had to have the wealth, the power, the authority, whatever it was that he needed in order to redeem. The Redeemer must be willing to. You see, not only must he be able and be a kinsman, and a close relative, but he also must be willing to do it because you didn't have to do it. And as you will see in the next chapter, that's exactly what happened. You see, the man wanted the property, but he didn't want Ruth. He didn't want Naomi. He didn't want the responsibility for that. And so the next man up was Boaz. But Boaz honoring that said, if you can do it and you're able to do that, you've got to be willing. So the man was able He was a man of means, and he could have done it. He was the closest of the kinsmen, but he was not willing to do it. And then it was only when the redemption price was fully paid that the redemption took place. You see, you couldn't just talk about it. You had to do it. You couldn't just write an IOU. You had to come up with the cash right then. You had to pay the debt in full. And when you paid the debt in full, you got everything that comes with it. You bought someone. You bought the property. You bought the possession when you paid in full. Now, lest you have not caught on yet, Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach, is our Goel. He is our kinsman redeemer. Now, isn't it interesting that in the book of Hebrews, the most Jewish of all the New Testament books, the most like the Tanakh of all the New Testament books, the one that has more about what the priests, the Levites, what the law was all about, the rituals, the rites, the routines, all of that is in the book of Hebrews. And you'll never understand the book of Hebrews without understanding something of the Tanakh. And the more you understand of the Tanakh, the more you'll understand about the book of Hebrews. Chapter 2 and verse 10 says, For it was fitting for him... For whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory. You see, the glory was lost in the garden. To make the author of their salvation mature, perfect through sufferings. For both he who sets apart, sanctifies, and those who are being set apart, sanctified, are all of one. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them, look at this, brethren saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. This is Jesus. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing praise to you. And again, I will put my trust in him. Here I am and the children whom God has given me. Now listen to verse 14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, that is, mankind is flesh and blood, he himself that is, Jesus, likewise shared in the same. He became a kinsman, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. 
You see, when Adam sinned, then all of his posterity after him would be born sinners. They would be born into bondage. And so our Goel, our kinsman redeemer, who is able, who is all-powerful, he became our kinsman redeemer in that he robed himself in flesh took on what is called the hypostatic union by theologians. That means when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he is forever the God-man. He didn't just robe himself with flesh and then take it off. Oh, no, he is forever the Son of God and the Son of Man. He is forever all man and all God. He is forever the firstborn of creation. He is forever the man that came as a mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. You see, he robed himself in flesh. And even the last chapter of the Bible in the book of Revelation, Jesus said, I am the root and the offspring of David. I am the bright and morning star. You see, he was born into the line of David, but he is the root of David. That is, he was the one from which David came and all of his lineage. And he is the offspring of David in the sense that he was born in the lineage and line of David. He is the bright and morning star. He is Jewish then, and he is Jewish now and forever will be. And so he took on flesh and blood. Why? So that he could come and redeem us. Because it is by one man that death entered into the world and death by sin. And so it is by one man that we are redeemed. All in Adam die, all in Jesus live. How do you get into Adam? You're born of the flesh and you're born of mankind and the seed of man. How is it that you become in Christ and part of the family of God? You are born from above. You're born spiritually. And so Jesus became a partaker of our flesh and blood so he could become our kinsman redeemer, our Goel. He is able to redeem. Not only is he able to redeem, he is willing to redeem. He came willingly. He laid aside his glory, not his prerogatives, not his deity, not anything like that, not his attributes. He laid aside the glory. And Peter, James, and John got a glimpse of that when God pulled back the curtain for just a bit on what we call the Mount of Transfiguration. But now listen. He's going to bring many sons to glory. Why? Because he shed his glory to come here, then to give us his glory after he did what only he could do. And that is, not only was he able, not only was he willing, but he paid the full redemption price. This is why when Jesus died on the cross, before he gave up his spirit to the Father, he said to Telestai, it is finished. The debt has been paid in full. And because of that, you and I will live forever free from bondage. The debt has been paid. Our kinsman redeemer is alive and his name is Yeshua. He is the son of man. He is the son of God. Think about it as you walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.